2: Rick Tittle!
3: All right, thank you for that, and welcome to another live edition of Titillating Sports. The dulcet tones of Rick Tittle with you. How's he going? I asked you a question. I've told this story before. One time I was going into this restaurant in downtown Napa, and there was this, like, kind of smug-looking, handsome guy with a scarf on. Yeah, wearing a scarf inside like those people who wear knit hats inside, maybe with a scarf on. And I walked up and he said, how are you doing tonight? And I said, do you have a table for two? And he goes, you didn't answer my question. I went, what? I went, never mind. <laughs> oh my gosh. I just love, it's sort of like the people who work in Nordstrom who are selling suits. They're like, uh, we know fashion better than you. I'm like, Dean? You ever go to Nordstrom and look at a belt? I just remember one time, because I got a sport coat there, and I'm like, I think I need a belt. And I went over and I looked at these belts that just had nothing interesting about them. Just leather with a buckle. The same kind you'd find in Ross for $12. And they were $83.99. It's not even like a little thing that says, you know, Chanel or what. Do men wear Chanel? I don't know. Prada. But you know what I should do? I should pretend like I'm hosting a sports talk show, and I am. But then again, this is an entertainment show. We're going to start off the show with an author, and then another Arthur, King of the Britons. We have a film director. We do have a soccer player coming up in the second hour, but we do have a lot of open lines today, too, which has been rare. So you'll have a chance to chime in on football, basketball, baseball, hockey, soccer, golf, tennis, auto racing, boxing, Olympics, quarter total ball, chess, checkers, rugby, cricket at 1-800-878-PLAY, 1-800-878-7529. And I am very much in debt, as we all are, to our brave men and women listening on American Forces Radio Network as well. You stay safe. Come home soon. We're proud of you. Keep up the good work. I'm Rick Tittle. Let's do a three-hour show.
4: Your bills are due on the 13th, but you don't get paid until the 15th. Sound familiar? Life doesn't always wait for payday. Get the NetSpend All Access account for your everyday mobile banking needs and get paid up to two days faster with direct deposit. Get started today at netspend.com and go beyond banking. Banking services provided by an account established by Pathword NA member FDIC. Faster access based on comparison of our ACH processing policy versus posting funds at settlement. Deposit account opening is subject to registration and ID verification. Terms and costs apply.
1: 800-817-2968, 800-817-2968, 800-817-2968, that's 800-817-2968.
6: What's the best product I bought this year? Oh, that's easy. Salon Pain Relieving Patches. The proven medicines in Salon Pa's patches reduce my pain and let me do the things I need to do every day.
7: In a recent clinical study, patients using salonpass reported improved sleep, mood, and the ability to work. They had less pain and were able to reduce their use of oral pain medications.
6: For pain, I use salonpass. It's good medicine. Me too?
8: Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a key. So handsome. He's a genius.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure now to be joined on the show by author Chester L. Richards. He has a new memoir called From the Potato to Star Trek and Beyond, Memoirs of a Rocket Scientist. First of all, Chester, welcome to the show. Uh, Have you ever been to Chester in England? They call it the gateway to northern Wales. It's right on the border there. It's It's quite a pleasant town. And we don't have them. Chester, <laughs> okay. Uh, I guess we'll try and <clears throat> we'll try and get him back. That's what we'll do. We'll try to get him back. In the meanwhile, why don't we talk a little sports for you? Or you can get in as well at one 878 play. You know, when we have the uh, owners and GM meetings going on in Las Vegas for baseball right now, yes, baseball, and we're looking at. Free agency trading and such. There's always been. There's already been one very significant free agent signing, and that is All-Star closer Edwin Nunez is returning. Edwin Diaz, I should say, is returning to the Mets for the highest price ever paid for a relief pitcher: five years, one hundred and two million dollars. And it's pretty interesting when you think about how important closers are, but also what the Mets and Steve Cohen thinks is important. But the other thing I think is interesting, which involves my stinky old team, the A's, is because of the new CBA, the union and the league agreed to a revamped draft order <clears throat> to curb non-competitive behavior. It's called tanking in our world. I don't think that there will be anyone that won't tank because of this. It's kind of stupid. But with some slight modifications, The draft order was set in reverse order of the previous year's standard, as always. That's how it's been since 1965, which was the first year of me and the draft. I think Rick Monday was the first ever draft pick. But now there's a lottery for the worst six teams. That's right. And if you think about picks 7 through 18... A non-postseason, non-lottery teams in reverse order of the standards picks 19 to 22, wild card series losers picks 23 to 26, division series losers picks 27 and 28, ALCS NLCS losers, World Series loser, and then the last pick is World Series winner. That means if the Phillies, <clears throat> who uh, you know were not one of the top five teams in baseball. If they had won the World Series, they, well, I mean, look, if they lost the World Series. They're picking second to last. It has nothing to do with their record during the regular season. So the lottery is going to be held, the first ever one, on Tuesday, December 6th during the winter meetings in San Diego. And it'll be broadcast live on uh, MLB Network. <clears throat> but the thing about the lottery is that all 18 non postseason teams will have a chance at the number one overall pick. Now, uh, the three worst teams have the same odds, same as the NBA. The Nationals were the worst team in baseball, 55 and 107. The A's, for only the second time in their Oakland history, the other time being 1979, they lost 102 games, 160. The Pirates and the Reds barely avoided or almost avoided, I should say, losing 100. They each went 60 and 100, 62 and 100. <clears throat> so Nationals, A's, Buccos are all 16.5%, Reds 13.2. Why are the Reds behind the Pirates? Because um, if you finish with identical records, then you go uh, head-to-head, and then the Pirates win. So, win in quotes. So the Nationals, A's, and Pirates, 16.5%. Now, I don't know if it's like the NBA, because I have not read anything that if you are in the top three, you can't fall out of the top five or the top six. Uh, I don't know. But the odds go like this. Royals, 10% chance of the number one overall pick. Tigers, 7.5% chance, number one overall pick. Rangers, 5.5, Rockies, 3.9, Marlins, 2.7, Angels, 1.8, Diamondbacks, 1.4, Cubs, 1.1, and then we get infinitesimal here, so you're telling me there's a chance. Twins, 0.9, Red Sox, 0.8, White Sox, 0.6, Giants, who went 500 or 0.5, and then two, wins, two teams with winning records, the Orioles with a 0.4% and the Brew Crew with 0.2%. All right, we just have a couple minutes left, but we have found him. We have author Chester L. Richards, his new memoir, From the Potato to Star Trek and Beyond, Memoirs of a Rocket Scientist. Uh, Chester, tell us more about what's going on here.
9: Well, we had some phone disconnects, um, but that's a, that problem seems to be resolved now. Um, what can I do for you? I'm trying to peddle a book, and it's a book about all kinds of interesting adventures. Um, they are all true stories, and some have to do with wilderness excursions, and some have to do with, uh, with my profession as an engineer and rocket scientist.
3: Well, let's talk a little bit about some of your 19 patents. Is there one or two you're most proud of?
9: <laughs> yeah, my latest, <laughs> of course. Uh, yeah, I've been working on a new type of uh, gas turbine engine, and we're putting together a company around that, um, and it's a, it's a pretty fundamental patent. So I think it's going to make a, a big difference.
3: So in the era of people now trying to switch to electric cars, this is still fossil fuel. How do you make it all work, Chester?
9: Well, there always will be a, a requirement for fossil fuels because of the, uh, the portability of the energy source. There'll be a place for electrics, and there'll be a place for fossil fuels long into the future. And uh, particularly for long-distance aircraft, for example, uh, you're not going to get electric uh, aircraft uh, flying very long distances. So those will still be fossil-fueled, and this will play into that market as well.
3: And then what's it like going into the Smithsonian and seeing a piece of yourself in there?
9: (laughs) Yeah, well, the story was that uh, when I was a student way back in the 1960s, I collaborated with a, a fellow student, to do a speculative script for Star Trek, and that was accepted and went on the air as the Tholian web. And that script was part of the uh, Smithsonian Exhibit in the American History Museum. I was uh, thrilled when I saw that.
3: Before we let you go, can you tell us about the magic door or some call a Stargate?
9: (laughs) Yeah, anytime you go on an adventure where you don't know what's going to be at the far end of, of that experience, you have to go through a door. For example, if you get on, go through a door to get on an airplane, that's equivalent to a magic door or a Stargate. Um, it's just uh, something where you commit yourself, and once you've made that commitment, there's no turning back. You just go ahead and, and have your adventure. And, you, and, of course, any adventure is something where you don't really know what's going to be the ultimate outcome of that experience, but you go through it anyway.
3: Do you believe in the wormholes, like defying time?
9: Uh, well, that's a matter for debate with, among the the community of physicists, but it's uh, wormholes, if they exist, do require a great deal of energy, and that's far beyond any technology that we have.
3: And a lot of worms,
9: right? <laughs> a lot of worms. Of course, we have <laughs> worms crawling around in my garden, too.
3: Well, Every anyway, kind of we, we got it in. We want to make sure everybody checks out the book, From the Potato to Star Trek and Beyond, Memoirs of a Rocket Scientist. And you can find out more, of course, ChesterLRichards.com. Chester, uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, congrats on the book. Thank you so much. All right, I'm Rick Tuttle. We'll take a quick break, and we'll come back on Sportsline.
1: That's 800 1845
13: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. uh, That's a bit dramatic, but thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. We're here with Joe Yogerst, and he's here to talk about a really cool book from National Geographic. It's called 100 Cities, 5,000 ideas where to go when to go what to see what to do and uh, Joe after being cooped up for the better part of two years people are really getting out there so this book has a perfect timing doesn't it
14: uh yeah they are getting out there that's what I've noticed this year um both in the U.S. and overseas um it's uh I think there was a lot of uh as as you suggest cooped up uh Necessity to get out of the house and go places. And uh, people that had trips planned in 2020 and 21 are all cramming them into this year, it seems like, all at the same time. But there's a lot of people out there.
3: So uh, in in your mind, when you come up with, because these are nice little round numbers, 100 cities, 5,000 ideas, did you have to add in three cities that were lame, or did you have to exclude (laughs) three cities that were great, and then... Like, did you get um, to, like, 4,590 ideas and you were still left with 10?
14: <laughs> well, <laughs> truth be told, I don't know if there's exactly 5,000 ideas. Uh-huh. I've never counted mm-hmm. them. Um, mm-hmm. Cities, there's, False advertising. there's 100 chapters in the book, but there's more like 130 cities because some of the chapters combine more than one city because we couldn't make up our mind, and they kind of went together. Um, like Nashville and Memphis, two music cities that are in the same state um are in the same chapter, and we did um Frankfurt and Stuttgart in Germany, which are two kind of offbeat travel destinations, but they have a lot in common because they're fairly close together in Germany, but they also have specialties. Um, Stuttgart, of course, is luxury cars, Porsche mercedes benz, and the amazing museums for both of those manufacturers and you know, Frankfurt is the, the finance, where modern banking began, but it's also the best museum city in Germany after Berlin. So we put them in the same chapter. And we did it at a couple of places, Luxor and Aswan in Egypt, um, St. Louis and Kansas City in the U.S., in Hanoi and Hanoi, and as I still call it, Saigon in Vietnam um, are in the same chapter, um, Delhi and Agra in India. So there's about 130 altogether. Um, but we could have easily done 200 cities, 10,000 ideas. I think there's so many cool places out there.
3: Right before the pandemic, when I was flying back from Frankfurt, I had one day there, and I went down the mine on a little boat, what have you. Um, but you know, it's a city that's been completely rebuilt since World War II. It was absolutely yeah. leveled, and the the Altstadt is not really that alt because it's been it's been rebuilt. So. <laughs> On the one hand, you can have like the Oberammergau's or the Rotenbergs where it's absolutely preserved and then one that's rebuilt like Frankfurt. How much do you like put into the, you know, knowing that maybe that what you're looking at with the Fachwerk, these old houses are actually like, you know, 70 years old?
14: Well, yeah, I guess there's kind of a Disney <clears throat> Disneylandification of it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm glad that they rebuilt it the, according to the old photographs and things rather than put up more skyscrapers because that just Mm -hmm. becomes totally, you know, disinterested, at least for me. Um, and, um, so I don't mind that. I mean, it, it, it's happened a lot of places. And like I said, I'd rather have at least facsimiles of the old buildings, if not the originals. Um, and, um, and, and they've done a good job of restoring it. And while they were doing it, they found the Roman ruins in the middle of the city that were never exposed before. And you can now look at those and, um, and um And a lot of the museums are in the old houses and mansions on the South Bank that didn't get destroyed during the war, um, mm-hmm. because there was nothing on the South Bank to bomb, basically. Um, so that's what I find. And you know, it's the the contrast in Frankfurt between the rebuilt old architecture and the modern skyscrapers, I really think is interesting.
3: No doubt. What what would you say uh, people who are going to hit the road, uh, one of the one or two things that you would remind them of to say, make sure to do this or that?
15: Well,
14: plan ahead, make reservations, for certainly for where you're going to sleep at night, because it's become more and more difficult, I think, over time, because I've been doing this for a long time. You can't be spontaneous with your accommodation these days, unfortunately. As much as I'd like to be, like when I was a kid growing up doing road trips in the western U.S. and Canada with my parents, um, and we would just pull into a motel and they always had room, you just can't do that anymore. So you really have to plan ahead. Um, What I research more than anything before I go to a place is food, Um, largely because I've had really bad meals at good places and I've had really amazing Food and meals at, at Hole in the Walls. And so I really want to know what, where the good places to eat and drink are. I also kind of know where, want to know what are some cool bars that I can go to. Um, so that's what I do beforehand is research that, um, in addition to making my plane, train, or boat reservations and where I'm going to sleep. But the spontaneity part is when I get there and I can wander around and see what I want to see and eat where I want to go on my own time, right, rather than having to plan so far ahead.
3: One of the more obscene things I think that I've been witnessing lately is that I mean hotels in New York, San Francisco, what have you, are sometimes more than your flight to get there. And even Skid Row motels are charging 170 dollars a night. Are we are we going to get back to the point where a hotel is saying, "Hey, instead of 700 a night, it's only 450"? Like what?
14: I I think so. I don't know how long it's going to take. I'm not so much upset with hotels as I am with airlines and mm-hmm. their pricing. Um, my my wife had to go to England for a family emergency in July, and the round trip ticket to get there and back with only 48 hours' notice was four thousand dollars. No. Yes, it,
3: wow. it was.
14: Wow. It was $3,800, $3,800. Um, if she had been able to delay until October or November, it was $600. Ugh. It's just price gouging. It's nothing wow. short of price gouging. Um, and um, there's nothing we can do about it. We're at their mercy, especially if we have to make go someplace. You know, if I want to make a reservation for a year from now, I can get the best price ever but a lot of us can't do that um right but um yeah airlines and, and hotels they're, they're and restaurants too you know they become incredibly expensive um you know i have a local place where i used to go a lot here in down in southern california and um i could my wife and i could go there and have a meal and have a, a couple of drinks for like 40 bucks and then we went earlier this year for the first time after COVID and it was 80 bucks for the same thing. So they doubled the prices and, mm-hmm. and it's not, and they didn't double the wages. <laughs> so, it's not like they're giving that money to the staff. They're just trying to make up for what they didn't earn in COVID by inflating their prices. And, and a lot of people in the travel industry are doing that, but I don't know if there's much we can do about it. And I know, I don't know if some of these prices will ever go back, especially in restaurants and hotels, but airlines, it goes up and down according to their, you know, their payload, their payload, how many people they've got on the planes, but, um, and hotels, I suppose it'll be, it's similar to that because, you know, rental cars were also just ridiculously priced. And now I notice the rates are going down again because it's off season, but you know, that's another thing to check out. I just, Go crazy trying to make plane reservations, trying to get the best. You know, I had to go to, to England with my wife, too. I went two days later and I paid $1,200 by going on Aer Lingus and stopping mm-hmm. off in Dublin on the way. Mm. <laughs>
16: so. All right. Well,
3: everybody, make sure to check out this new book 100 Cities, 5,000 Ideas Where to Go, When to Go, What to See, What to Do from National Geographic and our guest. Joe Yogurst who's been a travel writer for decades. Joe, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it.
14: Thanks for having me, Rick. <clears throat> it was fun. Take care.
3: You too. <clears throat> I remember last year uh, after Army Navy I was going to stay um, almost like another week in New York, so I got out of the free hotel. And they're like if you want to continue to stay here at the Sheraton on 59th, it's only 350 a night. We have a special rate. Can you believe that? That was a special rate, 350 dollars a night. I'm like, mm, for this little teeny tiny closet room. I mean, it was clean, but you know, it was on like the 40th floor or whatever. It was clean, but it was just this teeny little thing. I'm like, no, I'm all right. So I booked this other hotel, and then they said, we can't open in time. We thought we could, so your reservation's gone. Then I found another one in, near Times Square that looked pretty cool, an Italian hotel. And then they said, oh, this was a homeless shelter during the pandemic, and it still smells. And I thought, wait a minute. (laughs) And then that was six months prior. And then I saw some reviews from three months prior that said, the smell is gone. Now it's clean again. And I was like, whew. But they did charge me twice. I had to fight that. And they're like, oh, I guess they did charge you twice. That took two months. It's fun stuff. Everybody. Just stay home and don't travel. No, that's not what I'm trying to say. What I'm trying to say is we have some open lines. So get in at 1-800-878-PLAY.
7: silicone blades last through everything on a world record breaking drive from alaska to south america in unpredictable conditions Thunderstorms, ice storms they just don't quit rainier zeitload shows michelin endurance xt silicone wiper blades with advanced quadtech four-layer coated silicone that repels water snow and ice and lasts two times longer than other blades it's coming down in sheets real world proven extreme weather wiping performance upgrade to michelin endurance xt silicone wiper blades today only at walmart
1: That's 800-298-9093.
17: How is your car payment treating you? What if I told you you could make a free phone call right now and reduce your car payment by as much as $83 a month? Look at your car payment closely. You could be paying as high as 20% interest. Rate Genius can help you reduce your car payments by reducing your interest rate to as low as 2.48% APR.
9: Where did you get those clothes? At the toilet store? Great white under a tall face, that's
8: blue, that's cold that's hot, upon the face, that was so great on his wall, he calls me brother sport, but he loves to kill his fun, and the power that
16: he feels when he puts a trigger on me.
13: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: Well, thank you for that, and welcome back to the show. <clears throat> 1-800-878-PLAY. That's how you get in. That's how you get heard. So just to continue on my little baseball topic that I got to when the guest was late with this new draft, um, the other thing to consider is that you don't have to fork out a first-round pick when you sign a free agent anymore. There are um, different categories uh, to how all that works. First of all, the qualifying offer this year is $19.65 million. <clears throat> Farhan Zaidi says the Giants will probably give it to Carlos Rondon. It's kind of a weird thing to say, yeah, we probably will do this. This is all for public consumption for the player and the, and the agent, their management team to hear as well. But that is the, um, the QO this year. Last year it was 18.4. And it's the, the way they work it is the average of the top 125 salaries. And uh, there it goes. <clears throat> but, of course, last off-season we had our first work stoppage in 25 years. And so that's why when they got back together they agreed to eliminate the way the compensation compensation works, and it's it's complicated. But if you sign a contract, um, if you get a guy who's going to sign for more than fifty million dollars, then it's going to go competitive balance round B before the third round, and a um, player sign a contract with for um, for more than fifty million. then it's a draft pick after the first round and then the competitive balance tax after the fourth round and this also can go into your international bonus money uh, as well if you are some of those teams that went over the threshold of the competitive balance tax, Dodgers, Mets, Padres, Phillies, Red Sox, Yankees you'll forfeit your fifth round pick, your second round pick you'll forfeit a million dollars in international bonus money as well uh, so it, the thing that I think is hilarious is that like any of these middling lame teams like the Pirates and the A's are going to sign somebody for more than $50 million. Now, you're qu- eligible for the QO qualifying offer as long as you spent the entire year with one team and that you have never got a QO before so some significant free agents now don't qualify a qualifying offer. People that were traded during midseason: <clears throat> Josh Bell, Andrew Benintendi, Brandon Drury, Joey Gallo, Trey Mancini, uh, Mancini, Jose Quintana, Christian Vasquez. They're out. Now players who have already received a qualifying offer they're out: Jose Abreu, Brandon Belt, Carlos Correa, who has opted out already. Nelson Cruz, Kenley Jansen—I always say Jansen, Jansen, Jaco de Rizzi—who's opted out, uh, AJ Pollock—who's opted out, Justin Turner and Justin Verlander. Justin Verlander today opted out of his deal with the Astros, and why wouldn't he? He was sort of seen as a reclamation project. Not that he wasn't getting paid tens of millions, but now he's going to walk away with a Cy Young probably. And so there you go. Now the Royals traded. Benintendi for three pitchers who now rank as their number 9, 16, and 26 um, prospects. That's much better than had they kept him all year and then just gave Benintendi the QO. So there are some guys who are locks to get the qualifying offer. Aaron Judge is going to get one while they negotiate. This isn't set in stone. He'll get one while they negotiate. I think the Mets will give one to Chris Bassett, who opted out. The Red Sox will obviously give one to Xander Bogarts. Willie Contreras with the Cubs while they try to uh, keep him around. Jacob deGrom with the Mets. If he doesn't sign, I think Brandon Nimmo as well with the Mets. As I mentioned, Radone. Dansby Swanson with the Braves will get one. Trey Turner with the Dodgers will get one as well. They would have given one to Edwin Diaz, but as I mentioned, they just... <clears throat> sign so Bogerts, DeGrom, Radon all officially opted out of their contracts and the QO will represent a significant pay cut why did they opt out? obviously because they want a big fat contract but Radon it should be noted did not receive the QO last season and that's where the White Sox messed up because now if Radon signs with a new team as a free agent the Giants get the comp pick not Chicago so there are nine players. Accepting the QO won't be a serious consideration. Nathan Avaldi will likely receive one, I think, as well. See what he does. I think the Giants are probably on the fence with Jock Peterson. You know, if you think about guys who, <clears throat> like a Mitch Hanniger, a JD Martinez, and Profar opted out. I thought his career was over. Now he's opting out. He might get a QO. Jamison Taon with the Yankees. Ross Stripling with Toronto as well. Those are all guys there. But then you get guys who, like Adam Wainwright, would have fit here too had he not signed a new contract with the Cardinals. He's not retiring. Remember, he walked off the field with Pujols and Yachty and got a standing O. Best baseball town in America. It just is. And Kershaw but the Dodgers is leaning towards playing next season and they'd love to have him back. And that was the case last offseason too, And they did not make a qualifying offer. And Andrew Friedman at the time who president of baseball ops, the GM, he said they didn't make him a Q out, out of respect for him because they thought that would have rushed him into a decision, which I think is interesting. But, is Kershaw worth 19.65 million when he's healthy? He's worth way more than that. So that's something that uh, <clears throat> we can uh, keep an eye on uh, as well. We do have the uh, finalists for the postseason awards, and uh, next Monday. We'll get the uh, Rookie of the Year announcements, and then it'll be followed by Manager of the Year, Cy Young, MVP. The AL MVP, they have three now, as <clears throat> they say, the finalists for the three. The AL, Aaron Judge, Shoei Otani, and Don Alvarez. Uh, this is between Judge and Otani. If you go by the true meaning of Most Viable, no one should even be in here with Shoei Otani. But when you think about breaking the all-time American League record for home runs in pinstripes, I think Aaron Judge is going to walk away with it. Maybe not walk away, but I think he'll win it by a comfortable margin. Uh, In the NL, it's Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, and Manny Machado. None of those guys I think is a slam dunk, but I don't think Machado is going to get much love. Would it go to Goldie again? Yeah, but this is the thing. Uh, Arenado is now on the Cardinals as well. Will they cancel out each other's votes? I don't think so. In the American League, the Cy Young finalists are Justin Verlander, Alec Manoa, and Dylan Cease. This isn't even a competition, Verlander by a country mile. Cy Young in the NL, Marlins, Sandy Alcantara, Max Freed of the Braves, and Julio Urias of the Dodgers. Now, are they really going to give it to Alcantara on a team like the Marlins? They could. Is Julio Arias going to get the love? I don't think so. <clears throat> I have a feeling that Max Fried is going to win. They'll keep an eye on it. AL Manager of the Year, Terry Francona, Brandon Hyde, Scott Service, Guardians, Orioles, Mariners, respectively. Now, Scott Service was getting a lot of love during the regular season, Uh, Terry Francona quietly had them win that division rather easily, but to me it's Brandon Hyde. First of all, no one knows who the hell Brandon Hyde is, Dr. Jekyll, and secondly, the Orioles were supposed to be like the A's this year. Of course, the the Orioles have some fantastic young (laughs) uh, players, to say the least, and of course they just lined up. Uh, Matt Holiday's son in this last draft as well. The Orioles are going to be a fun team. Uh, they already are a fun team. As I mentioned, they had a winning record. So <clears throat> for me, that's Brandon Hyde. The National League Managers of the Year candidates, Dave Roberts, Buck Showalter, and Brian Snitger. And uh, this is, these are all guys who I believe have won before. I know Showalter and Snitger have. I, I think Dave Roberts has. I don't know. But uh th- this to me, you can really just flip a, a three-sided coin if there was <laughs> if there was such a thing. I don't think they're going to give it to Snitger uh the the Mets at the end were disappointing. They're not going to give it to Dave Roberts. There's no like you know, young Buck, there's no Brandon Hyde. there's not even a Scott service in this one. So I think because of New York love, maybe showalter gets it. And then finally, the Rookies of the Year uh, in the American League, Julio Rodriguez of the Mariners, Stephen Kwan of the Guardians, and the Orioles' Adley Rushman. Uh, Kwan is a very nice player. We saw him come up with a clutch home run in the playoffs. Adley Rushman was the number one overall pick. But it's Julio Rodriguez, who has already signed a massive contract, taking him right through his years and beyond. In, um, in the National League Rookie of the Year, the Braves, Michael Harris, the outfielder, the Braves, starting pitcher Spencer Strider, or the Cardinals infielder Brendan Donovan. And normally I would probably say Strider made the biggest uh, dent in the national baseball psyche, but I do think this is a case where votes will—they'll um, split votes between Harris and Strider, which won't help them. And I think Brendan Donovan's going to walk away with it because of the the love that the Cardinals just get. That's what they get. That's what you get. All right, I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break, and we will come on back right here on Sports Byline.
4: I, they promise to love to get them apart I wonder if my parents will ever be
16: apart My mommy's up in the night I feel
1: information. 800 915 9654. 915 9654. 915 9654. That's 800 915 9654.
6: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? sell a home you can't afford or just don't want to get the cash you need today
1: 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 that's 800-788-1495 wait she must have meant 10 o'clock at night
5: Do you think? Why would she have you meet her in a bar at 10 in the morning? (laughs) I just figured she was a raging alcoholic.
13: I wish you would try and slap Rick Tittle's mama's face. He would clown you.
3: All right. A lot more to get to in the show. I got to talk about the United States men's national team. Soccer team for the World Cup has been officially announced. No Zach Steffen. Wow. Especially considering how Burhalter was his coach in MLS. That is a shocker. Also, Amazon sends me emails knowing from my preferences... Um, you know, uh, maybe what I'd like. So they suggest a a bag of live mice and things like that. But it just said, uh, hello, Rick, we found something you might like. Book called The Last Hill by Bob Drury and Tom Clavin. I already had it on my show. I already got it free. So kiss my... No, that's what I'm saying. Um, (laughs) um, I thought it was interesting that a report came out about why the Nets passed on hiring Ime Udoka and going with uh, Jacques Vaughn. Hmm, I, I, I wonder what it could be. Let's go to the Athletic. The Nets changed course from their initial plan to hire Hadoka due to several factors. Multiple sources with direct knowledge of the decision making told the Athletic. These factors include an investigation and due diligence process by the Nets into the suspended coach taking longer than initially expected. The outcry after word of their plan became known to people outside and inside the organization and the short and long-term question marks around the team's ability to contend in the Eastern Conference as a result of the indefinite suspension of Irving once it became clear to the team that they could not proceed with their plan to hire Udoka. The decision to hire Vaughn was made largely in part due to the buy-in from Nets players under Vaughn, according to sources close to the situation. Vaughn is said to have created positive energy inside a Nets' locker room dealing with external stress. Well, yeah. Why would you hire a guy that's going to bring more drama to the situation unless it's like Coach K or Greg Popovich? Emei Adoka, the former Sacramento King, did a great job <clears throat> with the Celtics. He got them in a couple games of the title. He did a great job. But do you really want more drama? And that's the other thing, too. You can never – could, it could take one guy at the 19th hole of some country club in Long Island talking to Joe Josiah, the owner of the Mets, and he's got his cigar going, eh, I don't think I want that guy. You don't? Nah, I don't like what he did in Boston. All right, that's it. It literally could be that. I remember reading John Madden's book, One Knee Equals Two Feet, that Al Davis and John Madden having a drink because the Raiders were going to get their luxury boxes and they were going to stay in Oakland and not move to L.A. And then one city council person voted in from ship to shore radio and said no, and they moved to L.A. I hate that that story might actually be true. It was in John Madden's book. (laughs) Great stuff. I'm Rick Little. we got another two hours. Come on back on Byland.
16: S.A. Radio News
19: with Tim Berg. Investors on Wall Street are reacting positively to the latest reading of the Consumer Price Index. Stocks opening sharply higher. I was hopeful that inflation has reached its peak. The report show consumer prices increased 0.4% in October and 7.7% from a year ago. The lowest yearly increase since January. The Dow has been up over 1,000 points at times on Thursday. Railroad unions are releasing new information regarding a possible strike date.
4: The nation has a rail strike. It won't happen before Thanksgiving. Four major rail unions have agreed to coordinate the date so they could go on strike. The Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way employees has been ready to strike as soon as November 20th, the Sunday, before Thanksgiving. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis.
19: Twitter's new CEO is continuing to tweak the social media platform.
20: Elon Musk said in a tweet on Wednesday that he killed the new official label for Twitter accounts on the same day that it began to roll out. Elon also said, please note that Twitter will do lots of dumb things in the coming months. We will keep what works and change what doesn't, end quote. There's been confusion about the difference between the label and Twitter's current blue check mark that signifies verified accounts.
19: Lance Pry reporting from the USA Radio News West Coast News Bureau. Winds have been the biggest problem as Hurricane weakens into a tropical storm as it moves across Florida. It has also brought heavy rain and three to five feet of storm surge. And Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis says
5: the impacts have been what was expected. You have some road washouts, combined winds and storm surge. We've seen beach erosion, especially in areas that already seen erosion from Hurricane Ian.
19: USA Radio News. Paid for by Government.com.
21: The 1878 to 1921 dollar, a true American classic and one of the most silver dollar coins in history. It's been one since the last Morgan silver dollar coin was struck for circulation. And now, for a limited time only, full pound bags of original U.S. government-struck dollars are being released to the public. That's right. You can own a full pound of to 1921 classic American Morgan silver dollar coins all in very good collector condition with fully visible dates and mint marks guaranteed call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure collector grade U.S. Morgan silver dollars by the pound struck during the wild west and the gilded age plus receive a bonus American collectors pack valued at over $25 free with every order call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure your full pound bag of Morgan silver dollar coins before They are gone. 1 800 473 1745. That's 1 800 473 1745.
19: House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has vowed to repeal parts of the Inflation Reduction Act if Republicans are the majority in Congress after the midterm elections. Speaking at the United Nations COP 27 Climate Conference in Egypt on Thursday, former White House National Climate Advisor Gina McCarthy argues that people want this legislation.
13: We are talking about things that people want and need. And I think it's going to be very difficult for, for anybody inside any new people that come in to actually change the dynamic in such a way that they would be able to significantly undermine this act.
19: Georgia Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker will compete in a December runoff against Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock after need- secured enough votes on Tuesday to win outright. Walker telling Fox News for a bruising political battle.
18: Now I know they're gonna throw more at me, even the kitchen sink, but I can catch it. I'm gonna catch it and keep moving forward.
19: The southeast is bracing for severe weather from tropical storm Nicole. The Florida Panhandle, Georgia, and the Carolinas are all in the storm's path and are expecting damaging winds and flooding rain from the former hurricane. Forecasters are predicting up to four inches of rain from Georgia to Virginia over the next few days. Lots of rain falling in a short amount of time. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. Oh, oh,
20: oh, Trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your car. Like five quarts of Mobile One Full Synthetic, now just thirty three ninety five plus earn double O rewards points. Extend the life of your vehicle, improve performance, and protect you- ...engine against sludge and wear with Mobile One Full Synthetic at O'Reilly Auto Parts and O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh,
16: oh, oh, O'Reilly
20: Auto Parts.
12: Rick
3: Tittle with you. Hour two underway. We're going to have director... It either says Chivas or Chivas. We'll go with Chivas DeVink. He has a documentary about Nevada. It's called Tumbleweeds and Gambling. No, it's called The Great Basin. Soccer player Brianna Pinto will join us. Also on the third hour, we will have uh, actor Sam Benjamin, who I... uh, promo yesterday. We don't know what happened, but uh, we have corralled him, and uh, we're uh, bringing him back, and uh, we'll talk about uh, his new movie uh, as uh, well called The Payday. Yes, we will. We surely will. It's with Simon Callow. Did you uh, get a Powerball ticket? I remember the uh, day of, I was driving on Highway 80 through Fairfield, and I thought... It's 5.30, I better go get one of them things. And I went to this gas station, and it had a line. And people were filling them out like on beer crates. And I thought, this is going to go over two bill. And I'll take the one bill cash. Well, interestingly enough, there's a sports bent to it. Because that Powerball jackpot, 2.04 billion, that was bought at a... uh, convenience store in Altadena. It's called the Joe's Service Center. And uh, the because if you sell that ticket, you get a million dollars. Now, the guy who owns that store and will get the million dollars is named Joe Chahayed. He is the father-in-law of Demato Pico. You might remember Demato Pico. He was the defensive tackle in the NFL for the Bengals. And so Pico tweeted out, Congratulations, Baba Chahayed. Alexa will play A Little Mila by Little Wayne. Blessed. So, uh, yeah, that's not bad. <laughs> he immigrated. Joe came from Syria in 1980s with his two kids, and he said that he only had 14 grand. He's never taken one penny of state money. There you go. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back.
18: You can't get much for five bucks these days unless you go to Wendy's for a $5 biggie bag. Get your choice of double stack, junior bacon cheeseburger, or crispy chicken BLT, plus four piece snugs, fries, and a drink, all for just five bucks. <laughs> That was smooth, wasn't it? That's how you're going to feel when you get that biggie bag at Wendy's. U.S. price participation may vary. Includes four-piece nuggets, small soft drink, and small fry. Prices may be higher in
1: Alaska and Hawaii. Are you like me? You have health insurance, but you don't have dental insurance. Do you need to get to the dentist right away? Maybe you need an implant or some other major service. Well, I found a dental insurance plan that's just right for you. It's called Spirit Dental. Spirit Dental offers a $100 lifetime deductible, a huge network of dentists. And here's the best part, there's no waiting periods. Yeah, that means you can call right now and have real dental insurance for you and your family tomorrow. And get that immediate coverage you want. Spirit Dental has plans for just a few dollars a day. Up to $5,000 annual maximum and coverage for implants. Whatever age you are, the dental insurance you need is a free phone call away. Now don't wait and be sure to ask about Spirit's vision plan. Here's the number. 800-634-0482 800-634-0482 That's 800-634-0482. How would you like to publish and sell your own audiobook? Great stories deserve great storytelling. Audiobook Network provides professional voice actors and full production services for every author's manuscript. You'll choose from one of our many voice actors.
11: Are you looking to improve your baseball swing? You need the Rip Grip Pro. Co-created by Dodgers AAA star Drew Avins, the Rip Grip Pro will help you stay palm up, palm down, and pull the barrel of the bat through the zone instead of pushing it. Check out Drew's videos at ripgrippro.com and you'll see how this can help you or the baseball player in your family improve your ABs. Get the adjustability in your swing that you need Go to ripgrippro.com. That's ripgrippro.com.
8: Hour two of titillating sports. You thought it couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Couldn't get any better, but it's better. Rick Tittle is back. He's so great. I can't believe how awesome he is. More sports talk, yes. Hour two of titillating Sports. Hey,
15: check out Channel
16: 9. Check out Rick Tittle.
3: Thank you for that and welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to welcome filmmaker Shivas DeVink uh, from Circle Collective Partners with Dialogue Talk for DIY release. His film, The Great Basin. A Panorama of the Loneliest Road in America and the American West. And, shiva's uh, welcome to the show. It's interesting because I have uh, driven some of those backroads roads of uh, Nevada and uh, some stark beauty, some uh, desolation, um, interesting weather. What was it about you that said, uh, I, I need to make a dock here?
22: Yeah, thank you for having me. Um, so... Yeah, very similar to your story, and I think most of the stories I get to hear of people, people's introduction to this region, which is uh, the the catalyst. The project all sort of started with a road trip. Uh, a close family friend, you know, me, me and my family were driving from uh, kind of the Tahoe region of Northern California to Salt Lake City. And a close family friend goes, uh, you know, there's only one way you should go, and that's the loneliest road in America, um, which is U.S. 50. And I thought that was very poetic. So I took her advice, and we took the loneliest road um, across Nevada. And, uh, you know, your descriptions are spot on, stark, gorgeous, um, yeah, just really intense landscape that to me kind of spoke in a I I had a very sentimental kind of connection to the landscape. It reminded me a lot of my childhood, uh, early childhood outside of Yosemite Park and kind of a mixture between that and my, my grandfather was living in Paradise, California during that time, which was a town which got entirely burnt down a few years mm-hmm. ago, people might remember. And yeah, the landscape in the Great Basin, I sort of saw as this marriage between the, the these sort of mountainous landscape that I was familiar with in Yosemite and this sort of desert landscape in uh, other parts of California I was sort of blown away by its natural beauty.
3: Two years ago, I drove I'm from the Bay Area. Two years ago, I drove to uh, Idaho a couple of times and you mm-hmm. once you get to like Sparks outside of Reno you're kind of jumping off the cliff into the nothingness and heading north from uh, like Elko up to Jackpot. But then last year I did what you did. I went straight to Salt Lake and those roads, it just seems like they'll, they'll never end. And you'd hear the terms white line fever. And, you know, you think about how much property costs and how crowded people are and there's enough land for (laughs) everyone on the planet. It's just, no one wants it because there's there's nothing there, and then you might see a shack, and I'm like, who Who's the Ted Kaczynski that lives there? So, did you find any in, <laughs> Did you find any interesting characters?
22: Absolutely. I mean that that's ultimately what what my interest is is sort of particularly with this project is is the relationship between landscape and human beings, and how how there might be symmetry there in particular instances, and how there might be profound contrast there. And so when I when I saw this incredible landscape for the first time, you know, like a lot of people who go along this road, you know, you start running out of fuel and uh, there's only a few spots where you can fill up your car. So we filled it our car up in Ely. And as soon as I went into the gas gas station, I started speaking to the gas station attendant. And, um, you know, if it weren't for my girlfriend and my kid in the car i could have spoken to this woman for hours you know she was telling me a very very personal trauma that she was going through and i got this impression that you know these people who were living on this lonely road were interested in talking and i was interested in listening um so yeah the contrast in terms of personality and stories is uh that spectrum could be quite large um but ultimately, yeah, you know, you, you come across a lot of strong characters, you know, characters that can survive this type of landscape. It can, you know, the winters are brutal. The amount of uh, <clears throat> sort of work that's involved in just getting from point A to point B is, uh, is significant and very different for, uh, you know, a profound difference uh, in terms of uh, how the city folk lives. You know, I've, I've lived in New York City for the last 20 years of my life. Um, yeah there's a lot of great conveniences and privileges you get living in a city which uh aren't an option when um you're living like some of the characters in my film.
3: The other thing is too and and it's going to sound really snobby but I think a lot of us think it and that is if you have anything going for you you're not going to stay here you know, when you mm. find one of those towns. And so then yeah. you try to rise above, like, I don't want to be a snob, but why would you stay here when the population is 68 and there's nothing to do?
22: Mm. Yeah. I mean, that that's the interesting question, <laughs> right? Which to me, the, 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 the common theme that I believe I kept on finding was a strong sense of community. Um, and... Uh, you know the, the 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 connections that that many of the protagonists in the film have with one another are are are, are beautiful. You know they're they they very strong. Um, of course, like anywhere, whether or not you're living in an urban urban environment or a rural one, there's also levels of fragmentation between um, you know the different communities that live live amongst you, um, and we explore that in in the film. Um, but yeah, of course, you know, that, that was one of the big questions I had and, you know, a huge reason to make the film, which is who are these people? Because it, particularly along the loneliest road, it's very transient. You know, you, the, the, the automobile that you see the most is the truck and it's usually shipping materials from Utah to California with a few stops along us 50. Um, so there's this, so there's this, this, this feeling of, this transient feeling of coming and going, and it's uh, very visceral. So, who who are these people who stay? Why why do they stay? Etc. You know, the, the the strongest answer that I, and theme that I could find was community, of course, um, of why they do stay. But it, yeah, it's, it's an interesting question.
3: You uh, last year took this to uh, a film festival in Leipzig. So what what did they think in the former the former East Germany? What did they think of this film?
23: Yeah, I mean
22: we have you know this this film has been screening across Europe for the last twelve months, and it only played in the U.S. just last month. Um, It's been playing across Europe for over twelve months. Yeah, twelve months, and then just last month that it it premiered in the U.S. So it's it's been a very fascinating trajectory of of making this very American film, which you know in many ways I think of it as a contemporary Western um and yet uh it was only Europeans <laughs> who saw it for the first year of Europe, <laughs> you know it playing in, in 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 theaters and uh you know that the the response has been has been incredibly enthusiastic abroad uh, you know because i i, I think they you, you get a very limited sense of the complexities of of the united states um, when when um, all, all you're getting it filtered through is is the the, the major news networks. Um, there's there, there's so many stories that are that, that exist in this country that, that there's so many different landscapes, et cetera, et cetera. That uh, I think um, when when you do expose these sort of dark corners that that, that aren't aren't so popular and aren't getting the limelight, that's that's very that's very exciting for an audience. Um, so, um, and also the, how you present it as well. I, I, I had a, uh, older. I've, I, I actually showed the film initially in Leipzig. That I showed it actually quite recently again in Germany at another festival. This very small festival, just north of Berlin. And this elderly German man came up to me afterwards and, through a translator, sort of said, "I, I, I have to thank you for your film because it allows the audience to think for themselves." Which which I found to be the biggest compliment. So um, you know, I, I I think if you if if you present work that that is complex and nuanced, et cetera, and 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 allow the audience to kind of uh, whether or not they're American or German or Serbian, um, uh, it's 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 a, it's a thrilling it's a, it's a thrilling thing to to ingest film ingest work that uh, allows the audience to kind of think for themselves, and particularly if it's on subject matter and things that aren't, um, you know, glaring outside your window in
3: neon light. It's not the Australian Outback. It's not the surface of the moon. It's more <laughs> stark than that. It's The Great Basin releasing in select theaters November 14th and uh, also November 17th, a week long run in LA and New York. You can find out more at thegreatbasinfilm.com. And we've been speaking with the director. Shivas Devink. By the way, with a name like that, you're not going to be a toll booth operator. You're going to be famous, right?
22: <laughs> I've I've I haven't done toll but I've I've yeah done many jobs similar to that. Yeah. So, yeah.
3: <laughs> All right, Shivas, Thanks for coming on, man. Congrats on that film.
22: Yeah. Thanks a lot. Take care.
3: All right. I'm Rick Tittle. Come on back on Sports byline USA.
1: That's 800-760-1845. Do you have Medicare and do you use a CPAP machine? This is a national health
0: care alert regarding your CPAP supplies. Using a clean CPAP mask and clean supplies is important to staying healthy.
8: Uh, I joined the army because my father and my brother were in the army.
1: I thought I'd better join before I got drafted.
24: Son, uh, there ain't no draft no more. There was one?
13: Tittle always goes commando.
3: All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you. Coast to coast and around the world. one 800 play Brianna Pinto will join us. Coming up next. Or maybe she says Pinto. Find out about it uh, one way or another. 1-800-878-PLAY. Gets you in and gets you heard, girl. There are uh, eight former players who have been selected to appear on the baseball hall of fame's contemporary baseball era ballot for the class of 2023. <clears throat> yes. Who are those players? Barabbas, Lamar, John uh, bonds. Or I should say Barry bonds, Roger Clemens, Donnie baseball, Don Manningly, Joey bell, who changed his name to Albert bell, the crime dog, Fred McGriff, Kurt Schilling, Rafael Palmero and Dale Murphy. If Dale Murphy played for the Mets, the Dodgers, or the Yankees, he would have been on a long time ago. The best center fielder of his era. But he played for the Braves, and they stunk. <clears throat> so the Contemporary Baseball Era Players Committee is a 16-person panel that will vote on December 4th. And if a player gets named on at least 75% of the ballots, that's 12, ladies and gentlemen. Even I can work that out. They will go in on July 23rd. And this year was the 10th and final year on the Baseball Writers Association America ballot for Bonds, Clemens, and Schilling, who are now off. And they have to join the others in hoping to make it to Cooperstown on this different path. And the obvious backdrop to this is whether uh they have been so stigmatized by the steroid era that they will not make it in or not we'll talk about that more in a minute but we got our friend charlie in new york city how you doing charlie
25: hey rick i know you're talking baseball and i have a couple of baseball questions but i just want to start with football if that's all right with you
16: mm-hmm.
25: and our sure. beloved raiders Just as a side note, your buddy Chris from Oakland, who calls in, someone who's denounced his Raider fandom, he sure (laughs) knows a lot about them and watches a lot of those games.
3: I think he cares more than we do, yeah.
25: Yeah, he probably has a Raider logo tattooed on his butt cheek or something. (laughs) (laughs) All uh, all, all love there, Chris. Uh, Raiders, uh, our buddy Waller just went on the IR, I guess he's out for four weeks. Um uh I right, g- g- given the fact that the Raiders are what what they are it's just um, um, amazing when you really think about it cuz Abram obviously got cut how how uh poor drafting can set an organization back yeah. I mean what Gruden Mayock did to this franchise besides him being uh let go because of his emails is just horrendous I, it's um the the, the 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 whole twenty twenty draft is basically useless. They've I think they had six picks in three or four year span, and they traded. Uh, when if you including the trade of, of Cooper and Mack. they they it's just mind boggling that these two guys can call themselves football people. I mean I I, I love oh, I love Luton and it's just shocking how much they. Set this organization back.
16: Yeah,
25: I'm sorry.
3: How much they stink? I was ending your sentence for you.
25: Oh, okay. There you go. Um, Mm -hmm. Anyway, that's all. That's my. That's just all right. So, real quick. So, if the Raiders keep McDaniel's, which seems like they're going to do, and they and they finish with the top five, three to five pick, they go five and twelve. If you're if you're the next time you play pickleball with Ziegler and and and, uh, McDaniel's, Mm -hmm. do you tell them to draft? The best quarterback available, or do you draft someone like? Again, I don't know anything about college football, but this defensive end uh, Anderson, who's supposed to be the best overall pick in the draft, do you go, do you go QB if you have a top three, top five pick, or do you go with the, uh, a, a, an elite defensive pass rusher and keep Carr?
3: I, I would, I would keep Carr. Uh, as much as that might break a lot of Raider fans hearts, I would keep Carr because I just don't see any of these kids being better than him. I don't think that, uh, the, you know, Bryce and CJ Stroud and these other guys are just going to, I think they're going to look like Justin Fields running around and Fields is getting a bit better, but I would keep Carr, and I would, I would do it like a basketball draft. I would go big board and not go need. And if there's a stallion linebacker, a stallion corner, like I would have gone sauce Gardner in the last draft. I was my favorite guy. I just, uh, I think they're so sucky that there's a tackle that's there. I just, they're so sucky. I think you just have to go big board and whoever the best guy is, regardless of position this time.
25: You just take them. Yeah, no, I I, I agree. I agree. Uh, Baseball real quick. Uh, uh, My Yankee friend's, Friends who are Yankee fans are all starting to slowly panic about one Mr. Judge. Yeah. What's, the, what's the feeling out there in the Bay Area that the Giants will sign him or that he leaves? The, at least in the local papers and stuff, they're not as confident as they were maybe a couple of weeks ago. Is there any buzz out there going on with Judge there, maybe leaving? I can
3: tell you there's zero buzz on that. I think everybody <laughs> expects him to go back to the Yankees, they don't think the Giants are going to put together that type of offer because they're going to have to dwarf the, uh, the contracts that, you know, Machado and hyper, uh, Harper signed. So there's right. zero, there's, there's hope of, of Giants fans. They're hoping it, but I think that Aaron judge would be an idiot to leave the Yankees where 99 is going to go out there in the monuments to play for the San Francisco Giants. I just, I don't see it happening.
25: Yeah, no, I mean, I would agree with you. I would agree with you. I just that a little of the same with the, again another New York team, the Mets. They're they're panicking, at least not panicking, but the, the Grom is out mm-hmm. the door. That Texas is the front runner to land him. Why would you want to play with Texas? I mean, all due respect, the only- but.
3: I don't know. I mean, I can see Brandon Belt, who went to UT, wants to play for Bruce Bochy again. I could see that. But, yeah, the the way you can play for Texas is if the, you do an A-Rod and you pay him more than anyone else. But no one's going to outspend Stephen Cohen. So I would imagine DeGrom is going to stick DeGrom. right there in Long Island. Yeah, in Queens.
25: Yeah. All right. All right. That's all I got, buddy.
3: Thanks for the call, Charlie. See you later. All right. I always love hearing from Charlie out there in Hell's Kitchen, Manhattan, <clears throat> which I will uh, – be in and what i like less than five weeks army navy this year is going to be back in uh, philly but i always uh spend uh, a week in new york it's my little vacay for the year you don't see me going to europe for six weeks i would love to do that <laughs> i went to europe for two weeks in 2019 because the raider game was the same weekend as army navy so Uh, That was my uh, trade-off when I covered the team. Did my pre- and post-game from my little press area outside, right in the stands at the new Tottenham Hotspur Stadium. Uh, You know, one of the great thrills of my career, which is so fantastic. Anyway, we can get into the argument, and uh, I will, um, about all these uh, players that are now – <clears throat> these eight players from the Contemporary Baseball Era Players Committee. I think that's interesting the way they uh, they put that. By the way, I also love how the the BBWAA Baseball Writers Association of America baseball are still two different words. That's the other thing too is that I you know the way we get into semantics and some words are acceptable and then they're not. Like we used to say Oriental, which means Eastern, like Occidental means Western that's super racist. Now they used to say Negro, which is horrible. They used to say colored is horrible, but we still have the national association for the advancement of colored people. So saying colored is really bad, but if you're a person of color, then that's okay. So you can have color, but you can't be colored. These are the things that are hard enough for Americans to get. So I think like if someone from a foreign country comes over, watch out with our terms these days. I'm Rick Tittle. will come on back with Brianna Pinto on the other side.
17: Certain chronic conditions such as heart disease, asthma, diabetes, and you're 19 years of age or older
18: 52, 36,
17: 42. You may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. Ask your doctor or pharmacist about getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20, pneumococcal 20-valent conjugate vaccine, a Pfizer vaccine that can help protect against pneumococcal pneumonia in just one dose. Prevnar 20 is approved for adults to help prevent infections from 20 strains of the bacteria that cause pneumococcal pneumonia. Continued approval may depend on a supportive study. Don't get Prevnar 20 if you've had a severe allergic reaction to the vaccine or its ingredients. Adults with weakened immune systems may have a lower response to the vaccine the most commonly reported side effect was pain at the injection site for additional common side effects and full prescribing information please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit prevnar20.com i'm going to ask my doctor
7: about getting
11: vaccinated
6: with prevnar 20
0: Let's help you next. Take advantage of the opportunity to get started today. Call
8: 1-800-356-7308. That's 1-800-356-7308. Again, 1-800-356-7308. It doesn't really matter. I
14: I don't like my job and uh, I don't think I'm gonna go anymore.
13: Tittle thinks there's a direct correlation between dogs and lightning.
3: All right, thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Uh, it's our pleasure to welcome to the show North Carolina Courage Forward Brianna Pinto. She's here as a advocate, uh, well, for a lot of different things, but extremely involved with the Black Women's Players Collective. It's aimed at changing the game For black women uh, as well. But uh, first of all, Brianna, I understand you're going to head to Qatar and and watch the World Cup. Um, That's very exciting.
2: Yeah, I can't wait. I'm going to go with my parents, and it'll be a fun trip. Um, We're big soccer fans um, because we come from a soccer family, and it'll be be interesting to see. We're going to cheer on the U.S. Obviously, we missed the last World Cup, but it'll be fun to, to celebrate them in this tournament.
3: Now, I understand that, uh, you know, we have to mind our P's and Q's there. Did you look at the list of all the do's and don'ts in that society?
2: Yeah, and for that reason, because human rights are exactly a big thing, we're just going for the games and we're actually staying in, in Dubai uh, because it's a lot safer and uh, human rights are a little bit more uh, widespread. So, uh, But I think that's something that's going to be a key talking point about the World Cup is like, how do all of these people coming from all over the world with platforms address the fact that there are many oppressive aspects of Cutter?
3: Well, and by the way, I, I when did it turn into Cutter, like C-U-T-T-E-R? Is that the way we're supposed to be saying it?
2: I think it's inter- like inter- sort of interchangeable. I think the people there say Cutter, but if we'd like to say Qatar, we can do that too.
3: <laughs> Those are the kids that didn't go to class, right? The Cutter's?
16: <laughs> maybe yeah
3: <laughs> alright so you can't get drunk in public like you usually do you're going to keep that out right
2: yeah so there's like no drinking I think, think they changed it in hotels they'll have it available during certain hours but I think that's going to be really difficult because you've got people from all over the world where alcohol is an integral part of their fan experience so uh, I think it'll definitely be different than past World
3: kept. All right. Well, let's talk about the Black Women's Player Collective and um, and how that's uh, moving forward and, and how you're a part of it.
2: Yeah. So the DWPC has made an effort to increase the accessibility to the game of soccer in the United States for black girls and women. And um, it's been such an incredible experience because for the first time in my lifetime, I feel like I've got a community of like-minded women who have had similar experiences in the sport that I can connect with and bounce ideas off of, and uh, also share like solidarity with. And um, I actually got to play with a handful of the members at Gotham last season uh, with Mandy Freeman, Efi Anamanu, um, well Taylor Smith at North Carolina Courage, uh, Midge Purse. Um, Imani Dorsey and so many others, and it was just really, really cool to have that experience because I was probably 13, 14 by the time I had my first black teammate, so um, being one of one um, in the environment that I was in at the club level was really challenging because um, you want to be able to identify with those that you play with.
3: So your striking style, are you like a number nine? You're waiting in the box for crosses to head in, or are you like a fox in the box? Do you come down the wing? What's your style?
2: <clears throat> I'm like a box-to-box midfielder, but I have played center forward during my time at Carolina, but um, I love to create and score goals. I'm someone that's always going to show up in the box, and um, I, I want to show off my ability to distribute the ball um, to, to go 1v1 and then also to finish inside the 18-yard box. And um, I think that's like my, my focus heading into this upcoming season.
3: So coming up in the United States systems, the U-17s, the U-20s, the U-23s, what about that first cap? How close are we?
8: Um, hopefully
2: close. I really do want to get to the U.S. Women's National Team and get my first cap. I've been in with the team before, but I wasn't capped. Um, but I'm going to continue working as hard as I can to make that, those dreams a reality, and um, hopefully they'll see the value in me and what I have to bring to the table and give me an opportunity.
3: You know, I think about that North Carolina team originally, you know, with Anson Dorrance who went on to, to USA, and, you, and there you are growing up in, in Durham, and your, your, your dad played for the Tar Heels, and you know, I just think about Mia Hamm, Christine Lindley, Cindy Parlow, who's now running the United States soccer federation. You you didn't have to go far, didn't you, for the best program?
2: No, I didn't. Um, and I think that was the beauty of growing up in the Durham area. Uh, both my parents went to the University of North Carolina, and they went to school with many of the big names that you mentioned, in Mia Ham and Christine Lilly. Um, my dad was actually recruited to Carolina by Anson Dorrance uh, before he moved over to the women's side. Um, so to be recruited by him uh, several years later uh, was really special for for our family. Uh, But I was immersed in the Carolina women's soccer environment from like age three when I started playing and uh, being able to see the girls and, and believe that I could one day be like them uh, was always the goal. And that's always something I've worked for. And my dad helped me get there. Um, And he always surrounded me with people who have been through that experience. And that's why I'm so passionate about representation because I had role models in my life that helped me get to where I wanted to be and, Um, I hope to serve as that figure for the younger girls coming up in the game today.
3: A couple more questions for attacking player Brianna Pinto, the North Carolina Courage. Um, We saw this players that that we were mentioning, they've been on the show before, and I've had Alex Morgan on the show several times, and she had a cup of coffee with Tottenham Hotspur for a minute. When you look at the rise overseas, uh, especially in Europe, do you think about playing in the ladies' Premier League, or are you okay right now in the, in America?
16: Um,
2: I think it's definitely a goal of mine um, to go overseas and be in a new environment. But for now, like I'm really happy with where I am. The NWSL has seen so much growth, and it's really, really special to be playing in front of my family and friends. Um, but yes, I do want to have a worldwide perspective and see different brands of soccer across the world and be um, exposed to different styles of play, new coaches, things like that. So at some point in my, in my career, I do want to go overseas, yes.
3: For you, if, if I said, all right, right now you need to be the head coach at Carolina, how would you go about the way you organize? Like, are you just straight 4-4-2, or are you going to throw everybody forward? Or are you going to get more defensive with the catenaccio? Like, how do you – what's your style if you were running the team?
2: I would do a 4-3-3. <laughs> Um, or a 3 five, two. Um, I believe I believe that we should be playing through our midfielders, and those would be the tacticians, the masterminds behind um, the brains of the game, and I think uh, if you create a possession-oriented style of play where you also press defensively, doing the high press that Carolina has built its success on for the last 40-some-odd years, um, I think that's the way of the future, because uh, soccer in America is very transitional. You need to have some athleticism, but like in order to be the cream of the crop, you also have to be able to hold the ball and be decisive about how you're going to pull teams apart when you're on the attacking end. Um, and then you have to get your players to work cohesively to to move off the ball, to create spaces in behind so that you can get quality chances at goal.
3: I love the three-five-two-two. Two, how aggressive it is. You need, first of all, a stallion at center back, but you also need those two wingbacks to be box to box, and I guess that's where you would step in as one of those wingbacks?
2: No, I would step in as like a positional 10, like sort of like in the center of the field. Uh, okay. So like, I like to be box to box in the, in the center of the field and get on the ball and uh, be in front of the goal because in the center of the field, you can kind of control everything, dictate the tempo of the game, um, switch to the point, uh, also win like head balls like in the aerial game. Um, so being in the center of the field is something that I've always loved.
3: What is your you know I think about the, all the famous number tens. Who's your favorite male player of all time?
2: Um, he's technically like an eight, but Andres Iniesta. um oh, so yeah. For the longest time, Carolina. Um, I I loved watching him, and I wanted to wear eight just like him. I think he's a master of time and space on the ball, and he's so deceptive on on his first touch, like how he's going to prepare himself to distribute the ball, then also evade pressure, um, and then he creates and scores goals himself. So um, he was my favorite player Looking um, growing up, and uh, I've also like, loved players like Messi uh, because he's the best of the best, and he's, he does things that other people aren't able to do. <laughs>
3: The funny thing about Iniesta, who, of course, scored the winning goal against Holland in the 2010 final for Spain, and then two years later they won the Euros, is that he's still under 40. And because I guess he's kind of balding and has a kind of gray in his beard, he always seemed older to me, <laughs> but he's still, I think he's like 38.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, hes I still consider him a young guy, and he's had an incredible career. And uh, just his time at Barcelona, I think, was, one of the peak eras in in football around the world. Obviously, the game changes over time, but um, I loved watching those 07, 08, 09 teams and just how successful they were and the way they like brought joy to the field because the way they shared the ball and connected with each other, was, it was truly beautiful.
3: Last question for you. When you got drafted third overall uh, in New York by Gotham FC, here we go, New York City, and then you get traded to North Carolina. On the one hand, you think, oh, cool, I'm coming home. I can play in front of my family and friends. But but also, was it kind of like, what happened? Why did I get traded?
2: Um, I think for me, um, I wanted to be on the field. And um, at Gotham, they had one of the most experienced teams in the league. So you had Carly Lloyd, Allie Long, um, Kaylin Sheridan, is, is probably one of the best goalkeepers in the world right now. And um, there were so many talented players, mid-first, E.P. Uh, that were up top. There were so many good players on that team, and um, they wanted to offer experience. And for me, like I, I need to get quality minutes so, so that I can grow and develop in this league. And um, North Carolina saw value in me, and, and they wanted to trade for me this following season. And it ended up being a perfect fit. I was in front of my family and friends um, every single home game. Um, I got to finish my degree in person um, so I, I scheduled all of my classes in the afternoons, and I, I got to be a college student, and I still am. I'll, I'm done in a couple weeks in December. And um, I got to play my what I call my first professional season, like my complete season. And I, I think I grew a lot this year. Um, I got to play for my former coach, Sean Mahas, and it was a really special experience. And North Carolina has proved to be a really great fit for me.
3: Really cool. Part of the Octagon family, too. Brianna Pinto, and uh, as we uh, mentioned, uh, involved with Black Women's Players Collective number 5 for the North Carolina Courage. Hey, listen, Brianna, thanks for coming on the show. Have a great time in Qatar. Maybe you can give us a report when you get back.
2: I will, I will. Hopefully it will be a good experience, and I'm rooting for the U.S. to do well.
3: Yes, I don't like our chances, but I hope I'm wrong. Fingers crossed, everyone. There she is, Brianna Pinta. We'll take a quick break, and I we'll see you on the other side right here on Sports Byline USA.
1: That's 800-943-2153.
13: Tittle ate 200 chicken wings at your mama's house last night. Now, back to Fat Boy.
3: All right, uh, a lot to get to, uh, which we will on the other side. We'll talk about uh, the uh, World Cup roster. And also, I need to give you my uh, <clears throat> my two cents on the NBA City Edition jerseys. All I got to say about those is this. Whew. especially the Warriors, which a lot of people think is the best one. Uh, More fallout on the Kyrie Irving thing. Uh, Nike's Phil Knight, who has more money than Sinatra, uh, was interviewed today on CNBC, and uh, he says that uh, he's uh, done with uh, Kyrie Irving, and he said, I doubt that we would go back, but I don't know for sure. He said Kyrie stepped over the line. It's kind of that simple. So he made some statements that we just can't abide by, and that's why we ended the relationship. And yeah, I was fine with that. And uh, Phil Knight, the the guy looks like he's about 105 now, and maybe he is. But prior to the anti-Semitism scandal for him, Nike was getting ready to end their relationship with him uh, anyway, because Irving called... Um, last year the design of the Kyrie 8 trash in an Instagram post and he says I have absolutely nothing to do with these shoes and then he walked back his comments can you imagine being so rich I mean KD and LeBron these 50 million dollar contracts can you imagine Kyrie here's your shoe from Nike these are trash and I have nothing to do with them why don't you tell it to Phil Knight and then say fix these no just go on Instagram and do it surprised he wasn't dropped already. What a nutcase. I'm Rick Tittle. We have another hour of nutcase talk. Come on back.
16: S.A. Radio News
19: with Tim Berg. Investors on Wall Street are reacting positively to the latest reading of the Consumer Price Index. Stocks opening sharply higher. I was hopeful that inflation has reached its peak. The report show consumer prices increased 0.4% in October and 7.7% from a year ago. The lowest yearly increase since January. The Dow has been up over 1,000 points at times on Thursday. Railroad unions are releasing new information regarding a possible strike date.
4: The nation has a rail strike. It won't happen before Thanksgiving. Four major rail unions have agreed to coordinate the date so they could go on strike. The Brotherhood of Maintenance of Way employees has been ready to strike as soon as November 20th, the Sunday, before Thanksgiving. In the USA Radio News Midwest Bureau, I'm Katie Lewis.
19: Twitter's new CEO is continuing to tweak the social media platform.
20: Elon Musk said in a tweet on Wednesday that he killed the new official label for Twitter accounts on the same day that it began to roll out. Elon also said, please note that Twitter will do lots of dumb things in the coming months. We will keep what works and change what doesn't, end quote. There's been confusion about the difference between the label and Twitter's current blue check mark that signifies verified accounts.
19: Lance Pry reporting from the USA Radio News West Coast News Bureau. Winds have been the biggest problem as Hurricane weakens into a tropical storm as it moves across Florida. It has also brought heavy rain and three to five feet of storm surge. And Florida Republican Governor Ron DeSantis says
5: the impacts have been what was expected. You have some road washouts, combined winds and storm surge. We've seen beach erosion, especially in areas that already seen erosion from Hurricane Ian.
19: USA Radio News. Paid for by Government.com.
21: The 1878 to 1921 dollar, a true American classic and one of the most silver dollar coins in history. It's been one since the last Morgan silver dollar coin was struck for circulation. And now for a limited time only, full pound bags of original U.S. government struck more dollars are being released to the public. That's right. You can own a full pound of to 1921 classic American Morgan silver dollar coins all in very good collector condition with fully visible dates and mint marks guaranteed call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure collector grade U.S. Morgan silver dollars by the pound struck during the wild west and the gilded age plus receive a bonus American collectors pack valued at over $25 free with every order call 1-800-473-1745 now to secure your full pound bag of Morgan silver dollar coins before they are gone. 1-800-473-1745. That's 1-800-473-1745.
19: House Minority Leader Kevin McCarthy has vowed to repeal parts of the Inflation Reduction Act if Republicans are the majority in Congress after the midterm elections. Speaking at the United Nations COP 27 climate conference in Egypt on Thursday, former White House National Climate Advisor Gina McCarthy argues that people want this legislation.
13: We are talking about things that people want and need. And I think it's going to be very difficult for, for anybody inside any new people that come in to actually change the dynamic in such a way that they would be able to significantly undermine this act.
19: Georgia Republican Senate candidate Herschel Walker will compete in a December runoff against Democrat Senator Raphael Warnock after need- secured enough votes on Tuesday to win outright. Walker telling Fox News for a bruising political battle.
18: Now I know they're gonna throw more at me, even the kitchen sink, but I can catch it. I'm gonna catch it and keep moving forward.
19: The southeast is bracing for severe weather from tropical storm Nicole. The Florida Panhandle, Georgia, and the Carolinas are all in the storm's path and are expecting damaging winds and flooding rain from the former hurricane. Forecasters are predicting up to four inches of rain from Georgia to Virginia over the next few days. Lots of rain falling in a short amount of time. For USA Radio News, I'm Tim Berg. Oh, oh,
20: oh, O'Reilly. Trust the professional parts people at O'Reilly Auto Parts to recommend the best products for your car. Like five quarts of Mobile One Full Synthetic, now just $33.95, plus earn double O rewards points. Extend the life of your vehicle, improve performance, and protect you- ...engine against sludge and wear with Mobile One Full Synthetic at O'Reilly Auto Parts and O'ReillyAuto.com. Oh,
16: oh, oh, O'Reilly
20: Auto Parts.
1: That's 800-871-9417. Terms and conditions apply. Financing is available with approved credit. See openroadlending.com for details.
18: Rick Tittle knows his sports.
2: I hate that guy. I love that guy. Oh my gosh, he's so fine. Rick Tittle brings home the bacon, fries it up in a pan, and then he eats it. Ricky T in the hizzle for shizzle biznatch.
3: Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. What's going down with you? What's going down in Chinatown? 1-800-878-PLAY is the number to call. We're going to have J.D. Sharp at 1112. Then we're going to have, that's coming up here in a matter of minutes, Sam Benjamin, the British actor from The Payday will join us. And then uh, one of my favorite comedians, Greg Proops, he will join the show at 11.40 today. Once again, uh, or as I call him, Proopsie, he will be with us. So that means might have to wait till tomorrow <laughs> to get into the World Cup team because I need a big chunk there. And we have time. And these City Edition jerseys, it's just... I mean, I could go down need the line, but the Warriors one, I thought it was a lotus. And then I realized, because the entire bottom half is a giant yellow rose. But I think what they're going for is the California poppy. And it looks nothing like a poppy. I grew up with poppies in my yard. It looks like a yellow rose, which is the entire stomach fading up into black. And then in like an Etch-A-Sketch drawing of a lotus so it's a lotus and a rose, and I think it's supposed to be a poppy. I think that's what it is. But then there's another one that just says clit. <laughs> I don't know if I can say that on the radio, and I thought, what team is that? And then I thought, Charlotte? There are only two cool ones, the Brooklyn, the uh, Celtics, because it's in script. I think that looks uh, pretty cool. And then maybe Detroit, but I mean, it's just these jerseys stink to high heaven. Maybe the Knicks one. And I got to hand to the Bulls. They did nothing. It just looks like their regular jersey. They're not interested. All right, yeah, these city jerseys, they reek. Other than that, I love them. one 800 play Come on back on the other side. We'll have J.D. Sharp talk a little NFL. Come on back.
1: Network, a call right now and get our free audiobook guide. 800 514 0521. 800 514 0521. That's 800 514 0521.
7: The new Michelin silicone blades last through everything. On a world record-breaking drive from Alaska to South America in unpredictable conditions. Thunderstorms, ice storms, they just don't quit. Rainier load shows Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades with advanced quad-tech four-layer coated silicone that repels water, snow, and ice and lasts two times longer than other blades. It's coming down in sheets. Real-world proven. Extreme weather wiping performance. Upgrade to Michelin Endurance XT silicone wiper blades today. Only at Walmart.
12: Beating the books at their own game. Visit against the number.com. That's against the number.com.
8: Titillating Sports with Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle is a genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Genius. The best show ever. He's so wonderful. Titillating Sports. With Rick Tittle. Rick Tittle, is a, he's so handsome. He's a genius. Coming up next,
3: Rick Tittle. All right. Thank you for that. And welcome back to the show. As always, Rick Tittle with you coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It is 11-12. It's time to check in with one of our friends from AgainstTheNumber.com. They are a highly skilled team of premium sports handicappers focused on one thing and one thing only, beating the sports books at their own game. They cover every sport worldwide, from the NFL to college basketball to soccer to cricket to tennis to European hockey, and all of them are proven winners. They offer full season, end of current season, one month, one week, one day, and one year specialist-specific packages. Their prices are reasonable, their tracking and distribution process is simple, and their results are real. Joining us once again is our friend J.D. Sharp, here to talk a little NFL football. And uh, J.D., right around the uh, halfway point uh, in the season, more or less, we're starting to get some separation of not just church and state, but maybe pretenders and uh, contenders as well. Is there any team, let's start off at the top, is there any team right now leading their division that you don't really believe in?
23: You know, I would say just looking at I mean, Tampa Bay's actually leading their division. Yep. Four and five. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> which is absolutely <laughs> crazy. Um Seattle at six and three is interesting. I think that I think Dallas or the Giants could catch the Eagles. We'll we'll see how they how they cover their eleven point spread this weekend. God. Tennessee should easily win their division. I mean, the Jets, they're not, they're not leading, but I would say probably Tampa Bay at this point, just based on the fact that he's actually playing pretty well, but he can't seem to score any touchdowns. Although D has played pretty well also. And I think the, the Ravens, when they, they really don't have a lot offensively, they, I, I do like them adding Roquan Smith. And I lost, I lost my, my last game. I, I, took the, I took the over in that game instead of uh, just taking Ravens' money line. Like, right there, like minus 125. Should have been a two to play, but had a little brain fart there. Um, yeah, I, I would say Tampa Bay right now just because it looks like Brady is, and I don't know if it's a fatigue thing, but, you know, for, for the Patriots, he was always known for those. He wasn't like a 90-yard touchdown guy, except maybe when he had Moss. But he was known for those long, long drives. And he usually ended those with a touchdown, and that those are not ending with touchdowns right now. Maybe it's because he's having to throw too much. I mean, the guy's forty-five; he was sixty-two times last game, Rick, which is pretty impressive. Obviously, he's uh, he's in pretty great shape, but he's just not able to finish off those drives. And I think his age, I think his arm just gets a little weaker on those drives than it used to when he was younger, which would make sense. And they don't have the running back to, you know, to help that right now, which isn't helping them either. So I think that. That makes them vulnerable because they really can't score a lot of points. But then again, they're, they're, they're four and five. They're leading their division, and, the, and, and their division's got the Saints, the lowly Saints, the very lowly Panthers, and, and the kind of lowly Falcons. So, but, but that would probably be my, my choice, and maybe the Falcons could pass them up, maybe. But besides that, it looks, it looks pretty consistent, except maybe the, the Seahawks. I, I, don't, I don't know if I fully trust Geno Smith yet. I, I do like what he's done this season. I really like Tariq Woolen, that corner, that six-foot-two corner, who had just crazy combine numbers last year. I think he's pretty good. And, and and it's possible that the Eagles could get caught behind from the Cowboys or the Giants if maybe an injury were to take place or something along those lines. But they've, they've, they've been pretty solid all year long, Rick.
3: Well, let's talk about those uh, mediocre Falcons because tonight they're at Carolina, and Carolina – it's couldn't have gone worse for them their head coach is fired two more coaches fired and despite the fact there's a healthy baker mayfield and a healthy sam darnold pj walker will get the start again tonight he when the carolina was losing 35 to nothing at the half to the bengal's last week his numbers 3 for 10 9 yards two interceptions his quarterback rating was mr blitarski 0.0 But Mayfield and Darnold stink so bad that we're gonna see another start from Walker. So even though they're at home, how do you like can you even like Carolina at all in this game?
23: I mean, Walker's actually been okay this year. He's he's been relatively accurate. I do like their D when they're healthy. They have a lot of talent with Chin. And Horn and Dante Jackson. I don't know if they're healthy. Uh, AJ Terrell is out. He was one of the better corners in, in the NFL. He's quietly become one of the better corners in the NFL. He's a great coverage guy. So you've still got DJ Moore, who can catch a couple of balls there. Um, Deontay Foreman actually has been pretty decent. He, you know, he played at Texas. He was good at Texas. Um, he's averaging like four or five yards a carry. Scored a couple of touchdowns. Yeah, I, I could see the Panthers winning this game outright, honestly. And uh, I think that. You know one of the most one of the most important positions in the NFL, Rick, is cornerback because a good cornerback. Look, I mean, look at the Jets, how they beat the Bills and Sauce Gardner picked off Josh Allen and just gave him fits all day. I mean, the the Jets would not be six and three if it wasn't for Sauce Gardner. He's just he's just that good. And a lockdown corner, a true lockdown corner, can really change the game. It can also, on the flip side, open up the offense, or the the opposing offense. And I think that we may see something like that happen today with
3: with A.J. Terrell. The, uh, I almost called them the R word, the commanders also in a <laughs> uh, big mess <laughs> off the field. can uh, Yes, I know. Well, I still say Baltimore Colts <laughs> though. Uh, but oh, yeah. they, they, they hired a bank of America securities to, look for people to, to buy the team. And we know that Snyder got fined 10 million over workplace right. uh, irregularities, so to speak. And, you know, he was the guy who said, write in in all caps, we'll never change the name until like FedEx and Pepsi said, we're, we're getting out. So today we hear that the district attorney, or I should say the attorney general for the district of Columbia, Carl Racine, he's now suing Not just Snyder, he's suing the NFL and Roger Goodell, saying they colluded to mislead all their fans. So uh, do you see any way, shape, or form that Snyder will hold on to this team? And if not, who do you think is going to come in? Do you have any uh, any, uh, inside information on the new buyer to the commanders?
23: Well, I think you're going to see a lot of previous athletes that are either backed by hedge funds, like Bridgewater Capital, Or just very wealthy athletes who made a lot of money while playing in the NFL, or or the NBA, or Major League Baseball. It doesn't really matter because they're they're, they kind of all know each other, and it doesn't. They they invest in sports in general, not just one specific sport, and not always the sport that they played. And so, I think you'll see an athlete-backed fund of some sort with with some athlete money, with some venture capital cash, with some possible hedge fund money uh, that will purchase the Commanders. I don't think that the name is going to stay the same. I think that'll change. And there's, I don't think there's any way that Daniel Snyder holds on to this team. Why would Washington D.C. want him to? I mean, they're just awful. They don't draft very well. They make questionable decisions, like like getting Carson Wentz, who was great as a rookie, and then just has completely tailed off the last four or five years. He thinks he's Brett Far, but he's not. He tries to escape the pocket, and instead of escaping, he fumbles, and it happens two or three times a game. Not too bad. We'll call it at least once a game. So no, I, I think you'll see an athlete-backed fund of some sort that will be making this investment into into the Commanders, and we'll see the name change. So no Snyder, no chance Snyder holds on to it. Rick.
3: Yeah, I, I don't know if they're going to go through a name change again. That takes like a that's like a two-year process. I think we're stuck <laughs> with Commanders.
23: You think but, so? You think so? Well, well maybe, I think maybe it there's should've... just a little bit of you know subjectivity there, well, because like I kind of want that. I just, the name is just awful.
3: Well, I think it should have been Cleveland Commanders and Washington Guardians. That sounds much better to me.
23: Yeah, man, I bu- that would sound
3: better. Maybe they can trade. trade a little bit of at well, least. J- yeah, I know. Cleveland Commanders, Washington Guardians. That, that's, that's the way it should yeah. go. You should go to againstthenumber.com. Check out J.D. Sharp, who's having a sizzling hot NFL season. Not to jinx him. Knock on wood. Ride the wave. J.D., as always, thanks for coming on, buddy. Hey, thanks a lot. All right, I'm Rick Tittle, come on back on sports byline with Sam Benjamin.
1: That's 800-817-2968.
6: Has someone in your family lost a job recently and now you can't afford your mortgage payment? Or do you have a rental property and your tenants aren't paying you? sell a home you can't afford or just don't want to get the cash you need today
1: 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 800-788-1495 that's 800-788-1495
12: I'm not insightful enough to be a movie critic maybe I could be a food critic these muffins taste bad or
19: an art critic That painting is bad.
13: I'm so disgusted by Rick Tittle that I find him very intoxicating.
3: (laughs) All right, whatever works. Thank you for that. Welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with you, nationally syndicated out of San Francisco and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. It's our pleasure to uh, talk to Sam Benjamin, an actor who is in a brand new movie from Vertical Entertainment screening in theaters beginning on Monday. It's called The Payday. Sam, welcome to the show. I know you're from Birkenhead, so are you Goodison or Anfield?
15: I'm Goodison all the way, Rick. You're a toffee. <laughs> I'm a toffee for my sins, as we say. It's, uh, it's been a rough season. It's been a rough season for a few, So, <laughs> but we, we soldier on.
3: Now, are you still supporting lamps, or do you think you need a new gaffer?
15: I am still supporting Lambs because I, th- I think the connection he's got with the fans is really great, and I think he gets the club. Um, obviously, it's kind of not going quite as well as we wanted, um, but I think I think he just needs some strikers in, um, and I, th- I think he gets the club and he believes in it. And I think uh, if if we can just get through this tough patch, I think I think we'll be, and when we get to the new stadium in a couple of years, uh, we'll be we'll be in a good place.
3: Yeah, I hear you're going to build one down by the water, leaving Stanley Park. Bittersweet. I know Goodison is getting a bit long in the tooth, to say the least. But, uh, you know, once again, bittersweet for the, the toffee fans.
15: Yeah, it's an iconic ground. I used to have a season ticket when I was when I was living back there. And, uh, yeah, it's just one of the most beautiful grounds in the country. But it is very old. It's one of the oldest. So it's time to move and it's time to take a prime bit of real estate in in the Liverpool City Centre on the docks, so that we can uh, we can position ourselves to be the top club in the city.
3: It, I would actually like to see that happen. Do you? Do, when you? When you when, well, <laughs> Liverpool is getting a little bit uh, annoying, isn't it?
15: <laughs> a little bit too big for their boots. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Well, let me ask you this. I'm trying to think of when you were a fan. If you saw, let's say, Graham Sharp on one side of the street or Adrian Heath on the other, which way would you go?
15: Well, this this is before my era, you see, so I can only okay. go by, you know, matches that I've watched or documentaries and things, so I've just gone on what my granddad or my dad has told me, that uh, there was an era when you'd turn up to Goodison and it wasn't a case of if we were going to win, it was a case of how many, and Graham mm-hmm. Sharp, Andy Gray were just... Um, yeah, and loads of those players. Even when you go back, like they talk about icons like Brian LeBone and players like this that just were, you know, just untouchable.
3: So I think okay, your era then maybe more. This whole interview is going to be about Everton. Apparently, uh, your <laughs> your your era more like maybe Mark Pembridge, Scott Gemmell, Kevin Campbell, Nicky Barnby. Maybe
15: that was my that was those are my childhood players. Yeah, and um, yeah. Yeah, when uh when I got my season ticket it was David Moyes' first season when he took over. So um right. I've got the I've got the memory of you know, as a kid winning the FA Cup, um, which is the only silverware we've won during my lifetime, so uh so I had that. But then I didn't even realize I thought it wasn't a big deal at the time. I was like, Yeah, you know, it's the FA Cup, it's not the league. But then now if I could relive it I'd be absolutely loving it, so so yeah.
3: Yeah, I remember uh uh, was it daniel amakachi was he the hero on that one because uh, he was the I hero think... in
15: the semi-final he came on as a famously in the in the semi-final against Tottenham um yeah. he came on as a substitute and apparently joe roar the manager didn't even want him to come on but he just walked on the pitch cuz he didn't know whether he was meant to come on so he just came on and he scored two goals and even the manager said I didn't even I didn't even intend to bring him on <laughs> but he scored two
3: I remember that as a Tottenham fan. Yeah, that was a heartbreaker for us. But, uh Yeah, it's yeah. It's,
15: well, you guys are doing pretty well now, though.
3: Well, we just crashed out of the League Cup to Knots Forest yesterday, but yeah, we are in the Champions League But we did make it to the round of 16 in the Champions League. We drew AC Milan. So yes, not too. T- and yeah. I know you guys went through well, something that I went through uh, in the late 90s with a terrible. Um, Relegation scare. I mean, how much did your did you need heart medicine last year?
15: Oh, it was it was actually it was beyond. It was just terrible. It was like there was moments where I remember I was. I think when we were there was one game when we were. I think it was it was against Burnley away, and we were two one up, and then they scored to make it two two, and then they scored again to make it three two, and we're losing to them and I, I was I, I was on the way to the airport and I was like listening to it and following it on my phone and I was just thinking what is this the end is this is the end it was <laughs> it was just terrible mm-hmm. so uh yeah it was a very close call
3: you know I I think what, because I have some toffee fan friends and I think the self-deprecating humor which English are so good at I think Everton fans might be the best with the memes <laughs> and the little movies I mean it's hilarious
15: Oh yeah. We well we, we've had to develop um a resilient sense of humour <laughs> being you know, having to deal with the misery. But yeah, it's uh it's funny we we very, you know, it's it's uh on the one hand there's a there's a there's a big self deprecation thing, but on the other hand there's still which I love as well, you go to Goodison and I still remember when I used to I used to go every game and there was always no matter who we were playing, whether it be the top team in the land, whether it be the, the league champions Within about four minutes of kickoff after it started, if we weren't 1-0 up, there'd be shouts from the back going, Oh, come on, Blues! These these are terrible! Like, really aggressive, just outraged that we're not beating them already. And it's like, well, we are playing, you know, the team that's top of the league, but, you know, they don't care. They're like, we should be winning these! These These are rubbish! Obviously, they use more uh, foul language, but uh, (laughs) I didn't want to repeat. You can fill in the blanks. There's more more coarse coarse words.
3: No doubt about it. All right. Uh, Well, we need to talk about the movie before we let you go. It's called The Payday. And uh, set in a post-pandemic world, follows a broken, frustrated IT technician who is charged by a crime boss, played by the great Simon Callow, uh, to embark on a one-woman heist. Can you tell us a little bit more where you fit in here, Sam?
15: So the way I fit in, I don't want to give away too many spoilers, but uh, as with many heist movies, so our our leading lady uh, decides to embark on this dangerous, uh, very illegal, risky heist um, in order to get some rewards. And, you know, the plan is laid out, it seems relatively challenging, but simple, and she starts it off and just as things starting to go really well um, an, uh, an unknown man enters the fray uh, posing to be um, an employee at the company that this heist is going down and um, seems to be quite uh, unaware of what's going on but then as it goes on he, it starts to become clear that he knows a lot more that he's letting on and maybe he's not who he says he is and then he becomes the antagonist to our hero um, and conflict and potentially romance might ensue after that.
3: And you wrote this film too. Were you writing this for yourself or it just turned out you were the best man for the job?
15: Um, I, I'm going to say both, Rick, come on. I'm going to say both. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, I, so it, it was Kyla Fry, the, the the leading lady of the piece. Uh, she and I were coming up with ideas for characters and, we, we came up with the, the basis of the story and the concept together and then I went away and wrote the screenplay and yeah so that so it, it, it was born out of Cal well, and I have been friends for years and in that Ben Affleck, Matt Damon kind of way we wanted to write something that showed us in the kind of roles that we hadn't really had the opportunity to play so that was where it came out of and yeah fast forward it's it's going out there and yeah it's uh, we've got Simon Callow and It was a a great British cast, um, some fresh talent uh, as well as established. So, yeah, hopefully people get a real kick out of it.
3: So famous toffee supporters, it goes Paul McCartney, James, Dame, Judy Dench, and then you.
15: What, Judy Dench? I didn't even know that one. What? Yeah. Wow, I'm going to have to look that one up. Um, Yeah, I don't know whether I'm third on the list. Um, There's also Tony Bellew, the boxer, who was in um, Mm -hmm. the Creed movie. Um, and then, yeah, who else? There, there seems to be a lot well, of famous know, Liverpool fans, which is annoying. But
3: uh, you remember uh, oh, Leonard Rossiter? Leonard Rossiter. <coughs> oh, the that's a good one. Reginald Perrin. Yeah,
15: that's a good. Well, the, the other one I know is um, the other uh, Sylvester Stallone, and uh, right. apparently, apparently, Dolph is also an Everton fan. Dolph um,
4: Lundgren.
15: I've heard. Yeah. So there we go. We got we got a few uh, big hitters.
3: Yeah. And uh, Mary Barry, she'll make you a cake.
15: <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> we've got a great, right, we've got like a, a little squad there.
3: That's not bad for a, a testimonial. The Sam yeah. Benjamin testimonial. There we
15: go. Well, hopefully, and um, when I get when I get, you know, as as I'm as I'm rising up, and I get a bit more stay in – in in the movies, you know, especially on a bigger scale, I'm obviously going to try and squeeze in as much Everton propaganda as possible. So, so be ready for that. Be ready for that. <laughs> you know, if you
3: said you were, if you said you were a Liverpool fan, I'd, I'd be like, all right, well, let's just talk about the movie. The fact that you're an Everton <laughs> fan is, spawns like 50 questions. There he is, Sam Benjamin. Uh, you've seen him in Peaky Blinders uh, and uh, others. The movie is called The Payday. And uh, it's opening, I mentioned, on select theaters on uh, Monday all over the United States. Sam, uh, great talking to you. Congrats on the movie, man.
15: Thanks a lot, Rick. Have a good one. All right.
3: Good one. All right. I'm back with Greg Proops on the other side. He's hilarious. We'll see you in a second.
12: getting vaccinated with Prevnar 20. So am I because I'm at risk for pneumococcal pneumonia.
17: I'm asking about Prevnar 20 because there's a chance pneumococcal pneumonia could put me in the hospital. Age 65 or older, you may be at increased risk for pneumococcal pneumonia. For additional common side effects and full prescribing information, please call 1-855-213-2138 or visit Prevnar20.com. I want to be able to keep my plans.
12: So I'm asking my doctor about getting vaccinated with Prevnar20. Listen up, guys.
21: Are you experiencing any of the following? Fatigue, less drive, poor performance? If so, you may be one of the nearly 30 million men in the U.S. today dealing with ED. Call today and ask about our buy one, get one free offer.
1: 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. 800-761-9334. That's 800-761-9334.
5: Here's a great way to save money on your prescription medications. If you take Viagra or Cialis, we can give you a way to pay as little as $2 a pill.
13: Rick Tittle once threw a tennis ball at a donkey.
16: Welcome back
3: to Sports Byline USA, coast to coast, border to border, and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. Rick Tittle with one of my favorites, been in studio many times, the legendary comedian Greg Proops. And he's here to talk about uh, his acting chops once again because he is in a brand new movie called Izzy Lion, The Unspun Truth. And uh, Greg, first of all, Welcome back to the show. I think this is a, a pretty hilarious uh, plot that going back to the 80s and finding archival footage of basically the the Michael Jordan of sign spinners, right?
24: Yeah, right. It's a, a, a you know, a daft mockumentary. What can I call it? Uh, yeah, he's supposed to be the Michael Jordan of sign spinners, and he's disappeared, and uh, it's sort of a his acolytes trying to get him put in the sign-spinning Hall of Fame. And I'm an evil person who's friends with dictators in the movie, so it's really fun for me because playing evil is funner than anything.
3: Mm-hmm. How much did you have to study for that, or was it did it come naturally to
16: you?
24: Rick, that's a really, really insinuating question,
16: <laughs> and uh,
24: one that I find most apt. Uh, as you know, I'm a comedian, so my, my tendency to violently lash out at the crowd is, of course, there. Barely contained at all times, so I just dipped below the surface of my otherwise placid veneer uh, to reach for the uh, the inner inner Mitch McConnell.
3: <laughs> Have you ever gone full Bill Hicks on a crowd? Once or twice, hmm. uh,
24: you know. Not I try not to because. I was taught early on in school and acting like don't lose control because that's a bad thing. When the audience really sees you crying or screaming or angry, then they, they're behind your performing, and that's not what you want. However, I, I have lost my head a few times and called people terrible names. And I kicked a, I kicked someone once at the punchline in San Francisco. Uh, they had their foot up on the stage, and I kicked them as hard as I could in the ankle.
9: <laughs> but I don't.
24: I try not to go full – I mean, you know that legendary Bill Hicks one where he just goes off on the night. But you can understand the frustration, Rick. Mm-hmm. I mean, uh, comedy is a really weird item. Like you would never go see a singer and then they're in the middle of their songs go like, "I don't like this kind of music. Sing a different kind of music." <laughs> but people feel absolutely free to go to a comedy show and go, "I don't like your comedy. Do another kind of comedy." And um, they have phones, they could look us up, you know what I mean? We're we're absolutely in the age now where you don't get surprised if you don't want to. (laughs) Uh, But you never go to a country show and go, I hate this, play jazz. (laughs)
16: Um,
24: So it's very subjective, I think. People feel real free with the interaction and comedy. And then people say things like, well, I'm just here to heckle, I'm helping you. And It's like, I don't need your help, I'm really smart.
16: you know.
3: (laughs) <laughs> I remember I remember one time, um I forget who it was. I've been to a million shows, but these these two women were having just a full conversation and the comedian said, uh, "Hey, can you knock it off?" and it's like, "Hey, you know, could you please be quiet?" And then finally he's like, "You know, what the f is going on?" And they said, "We haven't seen each other in like 3 years." And I thought, "Who goes to a comedy club to catch up? Like you don't get the concept of I mean, it's just like, have you ever had this clueless people like that?
24: Absolutely. Well, like I said, you would never go to a symphony and have two people sitting down front and just chatting and going, look, we haven't seen each other in a long time. We thought we'd celebrate during Rigoletto. (laughs) Um, You know, that's what I mean. Like comedy has this, uh, for a lot of people, I think they think it's like a background piano. And for us, of course, the practitioners of comedy, uh, to not make too pretentious about it, we're doing a spoken word craft. Mm-hmm. So, in other words, you have to listen to the words we're saying to understand it at all. So if you're talking while I'm talking, you have a real issue here. Uh, yeah, of course, I've had uh, bachelor parties, uh, bachelor at parties. Uh, uh, one time in Idaho, I remember these dudes would not stop, and they were not shut up. And it was a pretty hillbilly gig. It was the rocking horse in...
3: Somewhere oh wait, the rocking way. horse is Missoula, I think.
24: Missoula is it? You're right. The yeah. Rock- God, you know your comedy too yeah. well. And in any case, this, this table was on my, uh, on my member, if you will, <laughs> and uh, I complained, I remonstrated afterwards with the manager of the club, and I mm-hmm. said, you know, you never went over and told these guys to shut up, and they talked to him my whole set, and he went, well, they helped build this place,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
24: and I was like, well, I lose, I lose.
3: I think also it's funny when you know comedians have told me, the people who think they're helping, when they go, well, yeah, I heard that. That was a good one. And it's like, well, you shut yeah. up. You're throwing me.
24: <laughs> well, I often say, if you want to match wits with me, I invite you to spend 35 years traveling the globe, honing your satire. If, once you've done that, then you can come back and we'll, then we'll play together. Other than that, I'm going to have to consider myself superior to you at this, at this art reform right now. Uh, I you know, I don't go into surgeon's office and go, like, well, come on. Here, let me help you. you can, let, let me have the sponge for a minute. I'll show you what I really want. You know?
3: <laughs> yeah, Joe List told me one time he was on a plane and, like, is there a doctor? And he's, like, you know, I've seen maybe enough movies. Maybe I could <laughs> maybe I could try it. <laughs> well, the
24: other thing, that's like people, when you're a comic and you say you're a comic, they'll go, well, say something funny or tell me a joke. And you would never go to a lawyer like, listen, I'm in the middle of this terrible case. I wonder if you might, you know, take a deposition for me.
3: <laughs> We're talking with Greg Proops, the new movie, Izzy Lion: The Unspun Truth. All right, so this movie is a mockumentary, I, as you mentioned, and I had Dan Lanigan, the director, on a couple days ago. And, of ah. course, I had to mention Spinal Tap, and he told me something pretty cool. He said, you guys found somewhere that they filmed a Spinal Tap scene, and they just kind of wrote it in real quick.
24: Uh, right, and uh, uh, the uh, this this picture is full of really good improvisers. Uh, David Keckner's in it, and then I was working with uh, Rick Overton uh, and Phil Lamar, who I've known for ages, and all of them are really superb. We we did have lines, uh, but we were given a feel. Pardon the expression, a terrible latitude by Dan uh, to do what we wanted comedically. So. Uh, I'm hoping it all holds together. You know, my worst instincts are to be as big and huge as humanly possible, which isn't always as great on screen as it might seem, but I think I was contained.
3: Uh, Rick Overton, that's an OG name. That's like, you know, Alan Havey, like one of those guys.
24: Oh, Rick goes back to the antediluvian days when the earth was a swirling ball of gas (laughs) and he rose out of it and told us all we could improvise. Uh, And it, He's a very old friend of mine, and uh, they I, they gave him just a tiny little thing to do in this movie, and he was hilarious. Of course, um, I know, but that's what I kind of liked about the movie was it was it, it's nice to work with a bunch of people you're familiar with. You know what I mean? And um, Daniel wasn't exactly a, a hideous taskmaster. You know, it wasn't like he cracked the whip, and we all it wasn't like working with you know a German director from the '20s who didn't wear jawed person whip us with a, a swagger stick or anything. Uh, it was it was pretty light. Uh, so I quite enjoyed making the picture. I'm hoping it's as funny as it seemed at the time. That's always the thing, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm guessing it is, since they put it out.
3: Um, <laughs> uh... <laughs> well, we never know. I wanted to ask, too, about your pod, The Smartest Man in the World, because... You know, it, it seems this year it's been a little more piecemeal, and then, lo and behold, one came out yesterday.
24: Thank you for mentioning it, Rick. It has been. I've been terrible about it. My wife and I did it consistently during um, the lockdown for oh. like a year and a half. We mm-hmm. put one out every week. And then as soon as I got back on the road with the Who's Live guys, we our schedules, we've done 100-and-something dates in the last, you know, like we're never not traveling. Wow. Like, for instance, when I get off the phone with you, we're going to Fort Collins, Um and I'd, we just got in last night and did uh, wherever the hell we are, Colorado Springs. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's made me really lazy. I just haven't had the energy to go home and do it. So after a, a good old burricking by my wife, we uh, we did one the other day, and uh, it, I think it's really good. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to really, really make a huge effort to get back to doing it as much, often as possible. It was weekly. I don't know if I can promise weekly, but at least every two weeks, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And I, I haven't noticed how many people I've lost. I, I'm hoping people <laughs> will still stand by for it. You know, I put 13 years into it where we did it every single week, mm-hmm. and uh, I, I'm just hoping people stay.
3: Well, we got breadcrumbs, but the meal is coming, you're saying.
24: Right. I mean, yeah. also, this was the election one. You know, next week's the election, so we talked a lot about politics. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the Loretta Lynn and Ramsey Lewis swirled off into the stars. And Loretta Lynn and Ramsey Lewis are such gigantic figures in American music that we had to give them a good send-off and play a lot of their jams.
3: By the way, whenever I hear the midterms, I feel like I have to start studying.
24: Right. There's going to be a proctor, and don't uh, don't put your pencil line outside the bubble and all
3: that <laughs> By the way, I, I, I know. Why do they call them midterms? <laughs> I guess it's, I know. Uh, before I let you go, though, I, I've reminded you of this before, I think in person, but I remember um, seeing you out at the, uh, the I, I forgot what it was called in uh, Walnut Creek. I think it was a... Uh, the Punchline? Was it a Punchline in Walnut Creek? Whatever it was. No, it was a
24: Punch in Walnut Creek. There C- was a Tommy T's. Tommy in- Tees is Longer? still in Pleasant,
3: Pleasanton. That's still there. Pleasanton, okay. Yeah. But food I remember... Bar? <clears throat> food Bar? Not, food Bar's was the one in Martinez, I think. Oh,
24: okay. That right. was on
3: Taylor. Yeah. But anyway, it doesn't matter. The line you said was... Um, you said, I had a woman come to me after the show once, and she said, I love the comedy, but you have to swear through the whole show... And I told her, yes, I effing do. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I live by right there. There he is, Greg Proops, the movie, Izzy Lion, The Unspun Truth, video on demand, and it is out right now. It's going to be hilarious. Greg, have a good time on the road, man, and uh, look forward to having you in studio here again in San Francisco.
24: I appreciate you. Rick. We'll
3: see you again around New Year's, I suspect. Awesome. I'll be Good. at the punchline. Awesome. Great stuff. We'll look forward to that. I'm Rick Tittle. We'll take a quick break and we'll come on back on SportsBlock.
13: Beats his servants.
3: <laughs> I don't beat my servants. Uh, welcome back to the show. Rick Tittle with the coast to coast and around the world on the American Forces Radio Network. To the email bag we go. And uh, this one is from Jeremy saying, Rick, what are your thoughts on the Eagles going undefeated? Where do you see a loss or two? <clears throat> I remember years ago on 95.7 with my man, the guru, we were going, going through the Raiders um schedule and this is like I don't know six, seven, eight years ago. And I was like, there's a loss. And he's like, win. I'm like, ooh, at Pittsburgh, there's a loss. He's like, win, Rick. I'm like, ooh, at Kansas City, another loss. He's like, win. I think I had the Raiders going four and twelve. And again, yeah, I'm going twelve and four. And I think I was actually right. I think we were somewhere around four or five wins. Anyway, looking at the schedule, they have Washington do the Eagles Monday night football. In Philly, there's a win. At Indy, win. At home to Green Bay, win. At home to Tennessee, that might be tough. At the Giants, that might be tough. At Chicago, win. At Dallas will be tough. At home to New Orleans, at home to the Giants, I'm going to say win-win. So I see, and this could happen, of course, at any point. But the home game against Tennessee will be tough. I could see them choking at the Giants, and I could definitely see them on Christmas Eve, the night game, Saturday night, Christmas Eve, in Dallas. I could see that as a loss as well, which would make them 14-3. <clears throat> and three. That would definitely see them with the, uh, the bye at that point. Wouldn't you think? I would. And uh, so, yeah, when you start off 8-0, and you're not digging a hole. <laughs> which is uh, which is a, a good thing to do. Also, um, I also got another email. Where is it? Oh yeah, from from Chrissy saying uh, the record for dead money was the aforementioned uh, Carson Wentz last year, thirty three point eight million. Because um, we were talking with JD Sharp about Carson Wentz, who he said quite correctly great as a rookie got hurt won the Super Bowl Nick Foles never really been the same guy since more or less but uh, Matt Ryan if you think about four contract restructures for salary cap purposes remember he was the first ever player in the NFL history to go for 30 million per season that was a five-year 150 million dollar extension in 2018 the first restructure Was in 198.75, got converted into a signing bonus, which created seven million in cap space. But then, of course, that dead money keeps going. Second restructure, right before the end of the season, again 12.5 turned into another signing bonus. It's just amazing how people, how you can get around the the cap and the crap. But the Falcons were planning on restructuring Ryan's deal for a fifth time when they tried to get Deshaun Watson, but they couldn't get him. But anyway, the record is now Matt Ryan, $40.525 million in dead money for the Atlanta Falcons. Once again, forty more than $40.5 million in dead money. It's still money. It's just dead money. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you tomorrow at 9 a.m. Pack Time.